Let me tell you what we're going to do now. We're going to go to the next phase of making disciples. The first phase was, okay, what are the essentials for me that I, that I need to pay attention to? The second phase is, how is God going to arrange all of us? Because it's absolutely critical that not only are you taking steps, but you are surrounded by the people who will help you. And, 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 and so let me go to, let me go to um, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and, I, and I'll just begin this family of family series, okay? Because this is how God is arranging us. It says in this, it's, you know, in Ephesians chapter 2, it starts out, we were divided. We were divided from each other. We were divided from God. And in Christ, there became one new man. He erased the division. He broke down the dividing wall. And then in verse 18, it says this. It says, for through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Now, let me, let me tell you what that word um, access is. Um, first of all, I want you to get this picture. I want you to see how many times the, the Bible talks about um, the Trinity acting together. You know, we have, he is our access, Jesus, the Christ, through the Spirit to the Father. All right, so, so, so all of them are in relationship, which is what he is building among us, relationships. The word access here, um, um, the, the, uh, uh, the Greek word is uh, prosogogain, and, and it means, let me, see, let me tell you, in the old kingdoms, aliens had absolutely no rights. You could treat an alien however you wanted to. And, the, and there was no court that they could go to. There was no sense of authority. There was no sense of belonging. There was no sense of anything. There was just a living being with absolutely no rights. So when he says you were strangers and aliens, he's talking spiritually. You had nothing to come to God with. You had no rights. Now watch this. This word prosagogain, it's it was the word for the one who would take someone totally unworthy into the highest majestic throne room and introduce them personally to the emperor. Personally. And once the emperor recognized you, you automatically had as many rights as anybody else in the kingdom. That is what it's saying Christ Jesus did for us. You went from a person who was no, you were a stranger and alien. You had no credibility. You had no power whatsoever. No rights. Now watch this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of God's household. I want you to remember that word. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Let me stop right here. I've told you he's building a church. There's one building block of the church. It's called a disciple. It's a living stone. All right? The, the building is made out of living stones. Uh, put up um, um, 1 Peter 2, 5, will you? This is what it says in 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, as living stones, 
are being built up as a spiritual house for the holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's who we are. We're the living stones. That's called a disciple. That's what a disciple is. Okay? Go back now to um, the passage. It says, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone in a building is the first one that is laid. It is the one by which every other stone is aligned. Stones aren't aligned with each other. All stones are aligned with the cornerstone. As we build the church, you are not to compare your lives to each other. Please don't do that. That's not your alignment. It will frustrate you with yourself or with them. Never compare your life to anyone else. Our focus is on Christ. We fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the beginning and the completion of our faith. And so Christ Jesus is the cornerstone and everybody who comes together is coming together to look to him. We don't form groups to look at each other and explore the feelings of each other. We come together to travel to Jesus together. Each one of us adding what only we can add. And so that's what it's talking about. Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, himself being the cornerstone. Um, um, fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord um, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. You know, being fitted, growing together. Uh, let, me, let me give you a note. Can I just uh, switch metaphors? Right? I, I know it's a, it's a dangerous thing to do to switch metaphors in the middle of the stream, but let me just do this. I was looking at my back, backyard the other day and I, and I remembered something about trees. I don't have very many. I've got, I've got a tiny backyard. But I've got two kinds of trees in my backyard. I've got a, actually more, but two that I want to talk about. I've got an oak tree in my backyard. You know the root system, by the way, how important the root system is to a tree. If you haven't got a root system, a tree dies or the tree falls over at the first, at the first you know, uh, wind. Um, which, by the way, is what the Bible says about immature Christians. They're tossed about by every wind of doctrine. They just fall over, you know. So that, therefore, we've got to build a root system. Every Christian has to have a root system. Now, there are three kinds of root systems. I'm going to talk about two because, because Christians tend to go into one of two root systems. The traditional form of discipling people is the taproot system. You know what a taproot is? A taproot is, is basically a singular giant root that just goes down. It goes down deep. And, and, and therefore, when the storm comes, it's got almost as much underneath as it does on top, you know, and it, it stabilizes it. But there's another kind. And this is for um, um, elm trees, for example. And they have a plate root system. Now, plate root system doesn't go down deep. It goes broad with other trees of its kind, and the roots intertwine with each other. Now, let me tell you what happens when this happens. Whatever one tree has, the other one has. If one tree doesn't have sunlight, but this tree over here does have sunlight, this tree's got sunlight. You know why? Because it feeds those nutrients through the root system. When one tree doesn't have water, but one of the trees in that root system where there's intertwining um, um, does have water, then they all got water. 
because those root systems are intertwined. The same thing when it comes to the wind. It has stability, not because it's gone down so deep by itself, but because it's intertwined with so many, so many other trees that the wind can't hope to knock it down because its stability is in its relationships as well as its resources being in relationships. That's what God wants for the church. We have a communal holiness. We build one another up to love and good deeds. It's not about how deep you as an individual can go. It's about how interconnected we can be, and that's how God is setting up the growth of your discipleship. Now come along, and, and let me tell you a little bit more about this. By the way, can I just say this? Many of you have already experienced having someone else in the body of Christ pray for you and bring you through rough times, even when you didn't know it was happening. You know what that is. Or some of you did know that it was happening, but you weren't thinking about it very much because you were thinking about everything you were going through. And, and, and I want to tell you the strength of this community is far beyond what we could realize in our everyday if we don't, if we don't, um, if we aren't conscious of it um, intentionally. I, heard, I, heard, I read about an article in Parade Magazine. Anybody know what Parade Magazine is? It deals with, uh, you know, celebrities and all that kind of stuff. And I don't use it, but I, I, I read about this article where Oprah was interviewing Denzel Washington. Oprah interviewing Denzel Washington. Now, Denzel had just gotten done filming um, the movie, The Great Debaters. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's a terrific movie. It's about this debate team from this black college going up against the best in the nation. And it was, it's just a marvelous movie. But it was, it was going big. And, and so, so Oprah said to Denzel something to the effect of, did you ever, did you, did you ever plan on being a big deal? Or know that you were going to be this big a deal. And, and Denzel somehow in this, in this interview just kind of sm smiled. And he said, you know, I just got back visiting from visiting my mama. And he said, I kind of asked her that. I said, mom, did you ever, you know, think that all this would happen? Now, mother knows what he's really saying is that I, your son would be this big a deal. My mother knows that. And he said, my mother looked at me and said, please. She said, first of all, go clean my windows. <laughs> and then she said this, do you realize how many people were praying for you when you were being a knucklehead? That impressed him. It still does. That's, that's the kind of community all of us need. All of us need. And so in chapter 3 of Ephesians, this is what it says. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles. By the way, they, they would have been, this was a, basically still a Jewish church. And the Jews still would have been startled at the thought that they were going 
They were, they were in existence for those who were not of the, of the promised faith. Even though it had been commissioned by God that the reason he was calling together in Abraham, in, in Genesis uh, 12, he goes to Abraham and says, On you, it, through you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And so therefore, the reason I call a faith community together is not for the faith community, it's for everybody, for the faith community to serve. Because I want them all to know my love. The Jews knew that at first. And like every organization, they slowly became about themselves. The same thing happens to the church. We start out with a great mission and then suddenly, no, not suddenly, over a period of time, we become more and more about ourselves. And so Paul was commissioned to complete the commission that was given to the Jewish people. And he said, God called me to the Gentiles. Everybody who's not a Jew, that's what a Gentile is. Indeed, he says, if you have heard the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that is the church, all right? That by the revelation, there was made, made known to me the mystery. There's that word. He keeps talking about the mystery. He says, the mystery of Christ in verse 4. And then in verse um, 6, it says, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and, in Christ, uh, uh, and members of the body of Christ, um, um, and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ through the gospel of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me according to the working of his power to me the very least of all the saints this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is now watch this word the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known, watch this, through the church. Now, when we talk about Christ building the church, I want to, I want to tell you a couple of things here. First of all, I want you to know that word administration. In Greek, it's oikonomos. Uh, uh, and, 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 and what it, it comes from two Greek words. It comes from oikos, which is house, which implied family. It comes from nomos, which is law or order. In other words, this is how I'm going to organize you. I'm going to organize you into a family. And as we develop, we're going to become a family of families. I'm not going to organize you according to... Um, bloodline. See, the, 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 the Hebrew people were, and still are, an ethnic race. If you have Hebrew blood, then you can be a Jew. If you don't have Hebrew blood, then you're a Gentile. And, and, and so God said, not going there anymore. I'm going to organize a family, a large family, and you're adopted into this family. That's how, that's how we do things. You're adopted into the family of God. And I'm going to do this not by bloodline, not by politics, not by who has the most power. Because that's how the world organizes, you know. 
The world organizes, who is my group and how many, how many favors can I get for my group? That's what politics is. That's why we're in such a mess. Everybody keeps joining groups that they want more power for. But God says, I'm going to organize you just the opposite. You're organized for the people who aren't included. You're organized for the people who aren't you. You're organized for the people who need what you have. And I organized you so that you would give yourselves away. No, here's how I organize you. And here is the administration, the organization, the management system, which all of us need because, and this is the way God has always done things, and this is the way all of you, uh, 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 many of you said this, kind of the people around me, I, t I take on whatever they have because we've been made to adopt to an environment. Now watch, this isn't the first guy, time God has done this. When God created the world, what did he do? He first made environments in order to prosper the living beings that would be in those. Those of you who are um, architects, you know this phrase, form follows function. In other words, what do you want to do? And I'll build you a building that will help you do that. Because however we form the organization, however we form the building, however we form the surroundings, I'm, built, I'm going to form it in order to maximize what you, what, what you can particularly do. And when God made the world, that's what he did. Before he ever made living beings, he made environments. He, the first thing he did is separate light from darkness, then the heavens from the oceans, and then the oceans from the land. Before ever made living creatures. And then what does it say in Genesis chapter 20, I sorry, chapter 1, verse 20, this is what it says. And God said, let the waters now teem with living creatures. See, I'm, I'm, I made the waters, now I'm putting a fish in them. Because fish need the water. Let the birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. Now that we have the sky, now I can make the birds. And then in verse 28, which comes after verse 26 and 27, where God says, and God, and, and God said, let us make man in our image. Verse 27, and, and in his image, male and female created he them. In verse 28, this is what it says. It says, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it, rule over. Now watch, so before I go any further, let me, let me stop right there. In Hebrew, the words that are used here, subdue and rule over is almost opposite what it means in English. Because in Hebrew, it means serve. It means develop. It means manage in a way that it prospers, not that you exploit it for your own good. So when we talk about the earth, we're not here to use up the earth. We're here to do the earth good as a gift of God that keeps on giving to other generations. That's why I'm so keen on creation care because this was the first order we had before we even got into the Garden of Eden. He said, rule in a way that whatever you're ruling prospers. That's a good ruling. That's a good way. 
And so he said, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see what he did? He made environments. And then he made living beings whose potential would be maximized by the environment he had created. Now, God created a new race of people to live the resurrected life. But he knew we would need an environment to maximize your capacity or your potential to live the resurrected life every day. So what's our environment? The church. That is the mystery, the administration of the mystery, the, the organization of the mystery. He gave us to one another. What kind of church? The kind of church that has God's mission in your, your life as its main goal. Your development, your care, your protection, your um, giftedness, your value. Let me, let me just tell an illustration, then I'll quit. I've, I've gone pretty long here, and you get the message. I grew up in the church because of my grandmother. I had, a, I had an old holiness Methodist grandmother. And, and, and let me tell you, my, my, my illustration about Denzel, when you got people praying for you, you might as well just give it up. Because he's, he's going he's gonna to take you back one way or another, especially if it's a grandmother. A, a grandmother or a mother's prayer and nothing more powerful. Just give up whatever your rebellion is because you're going to come back. I had my grandmother pray me through. I was just a buggerhead. And this, I had this woman on. I came back. I, was, I came back big time because of her prayers. But let me, let me just tell you about this church I grew up in. And some of you know about it. First Methodist Church, Shelby, Ohio, where men wore pinstripes on their suits. This is one of the reasons I still dress. This was my, this was my heritage. This is, how I, this is how I was trained, you know. W women had fruit on their hats. And, and, and everybody was... Everybody, and it was a very formal church, very intellectual church. And I was a kid that just obviously didn't belong. You know, I mean, I just was a rambunctious hellion. I was a hellion in every sense of that term. But this church nurtured me, loved me, when I didn't even know they knew me. I mean, I went once a week with my grandmother. But there were times when I realized that I was a valuable member of the family of God. Let me tell you about one of those times. Back in the day, of course, everybody had, we all had church suppers. I'm surprised we all don't weigh 500 pounds because that's what we do. That's what Christians do when we get together. We eat. It's partly a fault of Jesus. Do you know how many times Jesus ate with his disciples? I mean, they said, we just eat. That's what we do. And so that's what we did as the church. We had church suppers. And during Lent, especially, we had church suppers. We didn't fast during those times, at least not on Wednesday nights. We had potlucks or pitch-ins, as we used to call them, in the Midwest. And, and, and let me tell you, if you weren't raised in the church, this isn't people, you know, back in that day, stopping by the store and, and buying a plexiglass of cookies. This is people baking for days. This is people, you know, going out 
in the yard and finishing off a couple of chickens that day. You know, there are so many chickens in the ministry. I can't tell you. <laughs> and and I, I know chickens hated potlucks because. <laughs> but, you know, you talk about people who took care of producing the best fried chicken. I don't this didn't come in a bucket, buddy. this came in a skillet. And it had the seasoning that nobody can duplicate. Because see, this was the goal of a potluck. The goal of a, usually women bringing something to a potluck was to have somebody else stand up and say, who made this? I got to have the recipe. <laughs> that, that was the goal. When, you, when somebody did that, who made this? I got to have the recipe. You knew you'd hit a home run. And every one of them tried every Wednesday night to have multiple people stand up and say, who made this? I got to have the recipe. So you look on these tables. Now there wasn't, this wasn't a huge crowd. This was seven, 75 people, you know, I don't, I don't know. But this is lined up with fried chicken, baked beans. Now I say baked beans, and you, you think there's just a bunch of little red beans floating to the top. This is bacon just laying, <laughs> you know? And onion is just popping up going, yeah, you smell me, don't you? I mean, it was just, you could just, and potato salad, German and American, all kinds, oh, potato, oh, it just gorgeous. And it would go meat and taters and stuff. Then desserts. Well, I was like, you know, I don't know, seven years old or something. And we kept going to this thing. My, my sister and I would always go with my grandmother. And uh, man, I ate like a king. We didn't have that kind of food at home. I ate like a king. But then I started thinking, I need to contribute something. See, I was brought up where you're not a part of something unless you contribute. I was just brought up that way. You don't go and just keep taking. You know, you gotta contribute, see? And so I'm, I'm seven years old. I can't cook. What am I going to do? So I decided, just thinking like a seven-year-old, I got I to contribute something. And, and one day, somebody, for some reason, had bought me a box of animal crackers. Well, you know, animal crackers, I loved animal crackers. They don't taste as good as they used to. I don't know whether some do good or took half the sugar out of them or what, but... <laughs> Stop doing that, by the way. If you don't want to eat sugar, don't eat sugar, but quit ruining my desserts. <laughs> Anyhow, that's another subject. That goes to not meddling in other people's lives, but... <laughs> but they were, I loved, and, and I just thought, this is it. You know, I'm taking this. I'm going to put this up on those tables. Now, I didn't show my grandmother, because my grandmother said, oh, Joey, don't. Don't do that, you know. But I, I wanted to do it. So I took it that night. And I, and, I, and, I, and I went up when nobody else was looking. At least I didn't think. Of course, in a church, everybody's always looking. Are you kidding me? You, there's eyes all over the place. And I just kind of took it around to the back of the dessert thing. This kind of opened it up. I was careful that I hadn't manhandled and had broken cookies in there, you know? And I just sat down. And then all at once, I just kind of got ashamed. 
You know how the devil does when you get around people who are living for the Lord? You just kind of get ashamed. That's how the devil does. And I thought, what am I doing? You know, I shouldn't have put that up there. Well, Dr. Shoemaker said the prayer, and here comes the line of very distinguished people. They have their hats on, and they're all dressed up because it's church. We used to dress up for church. And they're going down one by one. And I'm just watching that box and wishing I hadn't put it up there. And the first lady, she was one of the most respected women in the church, stopped at that box. And she took out a little animal cracker and she put it on her plate. And then she proceeded. And the second lady, same thing. And the third lady, same thing. And not only that, but the first one turned around and said, what did you get? Because I got an elephant. <laughs> I just sat up in my chair and I thought, I belong. This is my church. Because even what I have to bring is valuable. That's the way God wants to build us. He wants us not just to look at Him but be connected with one another, not just to be connected to him. That's, you know, I pray this room every weekend. I, I go up every row in this room and I stop over those offering boxes and I pray, God, let us by our offering give our lives to you. For the first time in 45 years, I began to pray today after studying this lesson. God, let us by this offering give ourselves to you and to each other. Because this is our family. This is your family. And we'll have the big family, and then we'll have little iterations of the family of people who really know you. And they'll see your spiritual gift, and they'll call out your gift to the world. And they'll encourage you and support you and protect you. But God's building a family here. That, that is the administration of his mystery, the church. Pray with me. Lord, thank you. Not only for our deep faith in you, where we can have personal assurance because of the gift that God gave us in particular, and Lord, if there's people who are listening to my voice right now who have never accepted that very personal gift of salvation, let them do it right now by praying in their hearts with me. God, I know how sin separates us from you. And I don't want to be separate from you. I know when Jesus died on the cross, he canceled the penalty and the power of sin in my life. And he gives to me the gift of salvation.
Lord, I accept that gift. And I ask you, I ask you to come and live in my life. And be my Lord and Savior and guide me into the resurrected life. And all of us who have said that prayer, Lord, ask that you would take us now the next step. And that you would help us build your community that you are forming by doing what it takes to get connected to one another so that we can call out each other's gifts. We can value each other. We can encourage each other. We can support one another. We can love one another. And the whole world will be blessed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for the benediction? Let me give you just a couple of words. First of all, if you did say that prayer for the first time, we'd love to get you just into some first steps of growing as a Christian. We've got a, a Bible study for new Christians. And if you just take that tear out that's in your, um, in your uh, um, what do they call those? They used to call them bulletins, like worship guides. I'm getting old. Um, and just, just write your information, say, beginning Bible study, and somebody will be in contact with you, and we'll just take you through a, 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 a brief um, kind of training on the first steps of, of walking in Christ. We'd love to do that. The rest of you know this, that during all, in, in all of these places, we have... Um, prayer teams. Those of you online have a prayer minister. Those of you in this room have a prayer team. If you came in with a burden, don't leave with a burden. That's on us. We're your family. Bear one another's burdens, the Bible says. Let us do that for you. Those of you who want to enter into the access ministry or the, uh, or the uh, ministry specifically to people who are affected by disability, uh, know that we love that here. We love that. These people are gifts to us, all of us. And so if you want to be a part of that ministry, um, um, please go to the hub and, and we'll get you connected. All right? All right. Let's go out this week knowing that God loves you like crazy. He's taken us into a new phase of walking in the power of his resurrection. And we're going to do it together. So I'll see you next week. Amen.